is here. Now, broadcasting from the underground command post, deep in the bowels of a hidden bunker, somewhere under the brick and steel of a nondescript building, we've once again made contact with our leader, Mark Levin. Hello, everybody. Mark Levin here. Our number, 877-381-3811, 877-381-3811. You know, 76 years ago today, America was facing a very serious matter. Because 76 years ago, the day before, the Japanese attacked us at Pearl Harbor. And while there is a debate about sexual harassment and sexual harassment allegations and the rest going on in Congress, that's not what they were discussing then. They were discussing a declaration of war against Japan. And I thought I'd play a couple of minutes of this declaration of war, or or President uh, Franklin Roosevelt's request for a declaration of war, to remind us of the seriousness that we face, even today, with North Korea, with Iran, yes, with Russia, China, and so forth. Cut 13, go. Yesterday, December 7th, 1941, a date which will live in infamy. The United States of America was suddenly and deliberately attacked by naval and air forces of the Empire of Japan. The United States was at peace with that nation and at the solicitation of Japan was still in conversation with its government and its emperor looking toward the maintenance of peace in the Pacific. The attack yesterday on the Hawaiian Islands has caused severe damage to American naval and military forces. I regret to tell you that very many American lives have been lost. In addition, American ships have been reported torpedoed on the high seas between San Francisco and Honolulu. As Commander-in-Chief of the Army and Navy, I have directed that all measures be taken for our defense, but always will our whole nation remember the character of the onslaught against us. No matter how long it may take us to overcome this premeditated invasion, the American people in their righteous might will win through to absolute victory. I believe that I interpret the will of the Congress and of the people when I assert that we will not only defend ourselves to the uttermost, but will make it very certain that this form of treachery shall never again endanger us. Hostilities exist. There is no blinking at the fact that our people, our territory, and our interests are in grave danger. With confidence in our armed forces, 
with the unfounding determination of our people, we will gain the inevitable triumph, so help us God. I ask that the Congress declare that since the unprovoked and dastardly attack by Japan on Sunday, December 7th, 1941, a state of war has existed between the United States and the Japanese Empire. Well, ladies and gentlemen, I just felt this was necessary, very, very important, that we bring some context to the seriousness of what takes place to our country, what might take place in this country as well, with the forces that are arrayed against us, this time with nuclear weapons. Now, we've talked a lot about the NFL. We've talked a lot about the players taking knees. I certainly have. And we've been repulsed by it. We've been repulsed by men who live in the lap of luxury, who are treated like idols, who are fantastically wealthy, who claim to be social warriors, social justice warriors. They do not respect in my view, the armed forces of the United States. They do not respect law enforcement in the United States. They do not respect the United States, despite what they say and what their propagandists and surrogates in the sports world say on their behalf. We are blessed beyond imagination to have been born in this country. I don't care what your race is. I don't care what your sexual preference is. I don't care what your religion is. There's not another country on the face of the earth like it. And we have men and women to thank who've put their lives on the line to defend this great country. And as I say, the NFL has done enormous damage to itself. It did damage to itself the other day when it rehired Roger Goodell and gave him a $200 million contract over five years. The Players Association has been nothing but a disgrace. And yet there are owners who love this country. And there are owners who are troubled by uh, what's going on. Excuse me. Hold on there. Excuse me. Excuse me. Okay. And um, Bruce Allen is the president of the Washington Redskins. I like him very much. And the Redskins owned by Dan Snyder, the president, Bruce Allen. The Redskins, uh, well, on World War, at the World War II Memorial in Washington yesterday, uh, Bruce Allen spoke at the Pearl Harbor Remembrance Day. And it's gotten, hasn't gotten the kind of attention it deserves, in my view. It's just a few minutes long. So having spent a long time in uh, dealing with the ugly underbelly of the league, we should also acknowledge those those who are patriots. Here's Bruce Allen, and here's the remembrance. Cut 12, go. We ask our scouts around the country uh, different characteristics of prospects we're going to look at. And there's words in there that are amazing uh, that I want to bring up to you today on the coincidence of being around these heroes. 
We ask if these prospects are unselfish, if they have a commitment, are they dependable? Are they going to be a good teammate? Are they coachable? Are they tough? Are they a winner? Clearly, the scouting report on the 16 million Americans that served this country in World War II can all check those boxes. On a beautiful Thursday in our nation's capital, Washington Redskins President Bruce Allen and the team's marching band took part in the Pearl Harbor Remembrance Day at the World War II Memorial. Allen was the keynote speaker as almost a dozen World War II veterans were in attendance for a moving ceremony and wreath laying. Allen shared his unending gratitude for those who made the ultimate sacrifice. It's a great honor uh, for the Redskins to be here and our, our band to be here to play the, the tribute to all the branches of service. And, and to thank uh, the men and women who, who provided us all of our freedoms. Oh, for us being old veterans, it's quite an honor. It really is. It, uh, you know, it were, we were just recovered 52 MIAs out of the island of uh, Tawawa, and they're being buried as we speak in Arlington Cemetery daily and weekly. And some of them they can't identify, so they're in JPAC in Hawaii. So it's an honor to be here. They knew they had to win for America and our allies. Our fans and our band loves playing Hail to the Redskins when we score a touchdown. And yes, our fans and team are depressed when we lose a game like we did last week. But our men and women knew they had to go win a war, and they did it. The obstacles they had to overcome uh, versus today is is inspiring to us. And, and their belief in the country and the belief in the people, uh, they have such a cheery attitude for the challenges they faced. For Team USA, Pearl Harbor marked the beginning of the war. For our enemies, it was the beginning of the end. It was a day that defined America and changed the world. On behalf of all the prior Washington Redskins teams, all the current Washington Redskins and all the future Washington Redskins teams, we can't begin to thank you enough for your service, your courageous service to our country and winning that war. Because of you, we're able to pursue our dreams of playing the game of football. Because of you, we're allowed to pursue the American dream. And probably more important, because of you, you've inspired future generations of military service who continue to protect the American way. Mark Lovin. same occurred with respect to Germany and Italy. And virtually every family in this country was affected. And you know, when I watched these men, and when I watched Bruce Allen yesterday uh, on a clip, uh, and when I watched some of these men with the President of the United States yesterday, these are very old men. Some of them are in wheelchairs, some of them have walking canes, um, hunched over and so forth. And what heroes? Those men have more courage than those six foot five inch 
320-pound football players could ever have. Ever. Ever. And we mistreat our military today. We underfund the military. We're short on pilots. We're short on troops. We're short on ships. And yet whenever we call on our military to stand up, our military stands up. 76 years ago today, FDR goes to Congress for a declaration of war against Japan, which attacked us 76 years ago yesterday. In honor of the United States military. Don't worry, we'll get to all the sexual harassment crap. But in honor of our wonderful, magnificent United States military, the Marines. The United States is battling with Schumer and Pelosi over properly funding the United States military because the Democrat Party is the party of illegal aliens and foreigners because they know this is how they increase their ranks. This is how they increase the ranks of the people who basically um, increasingly uh, need government, want government, and expect government. And that's what the Democrat Party is all about. It's not about liberty. It's not about private property. It's not about capitalism. It's not about creating wealth and opportunity. It's not about protecting the nation state. It is about power any way they can get power. The evisceration of the Constitution, the importation of people who they believe will register as Democrats. You know damn well if open borders resulted in people coming into this country who were voting Republican or their their progeny were voting Republican. The Democrats would be uh, demanding a Berlin Wall. You know, you know that's the truth. But the bottom line is here, our military is not getting the respect it needs from the Democrat Party, from the media, and mostly from the rest of us. It needs funding. It needs a lot of funding. China's on the rise. Russia's on the rise. North Korea's building nukes. Iran's building nukes. Who the hell do we expect to defend us? Who the hell do we expect to defend us? The Peace Corps? I'll be right back. Mark Levin, radio's principal patriot. Call in now at 877-381-3811. All right. Now let's get back to modern America, shall we? Modern America. Trent Franks. Trent Franks has been in the House of Representatives for some time. He is a solid, solid conservative. He's not my buddy. I don't socialize with him, but I've met him once or twice or three times, and I've been a fan of all the kinds of things he's been trying to do to help this country. And he just resigned immediately today. And I'm trying to figure out this story. I read Roll Call... I read The Hill, I've read Politico, I've read other accounts of what's taking place here, or supposedly taking place, and I can't figure it out. Now, 
it is obvious that he and his wife are not able to have children. And yet they have two children through surrogates. He's an evangelical Christian. He's a very religious man. He opposes abortion. And he's made that abundantly clear over the span of his career. There are apparently allegations, or were, by two female staffers uh, that uh, where he brought up the possibility of surrogates, perhaps involving them. And now Politico, these are all anonymous sources, every single one. The staffers are anonymous. The friends of the staffers are anonymous. The sources are anonymous. So apparently, or reportedly, he may have asked two female staffers if they were interested in being surrogates because he and his wife wanted to have another child. And that was pretty much it yesterday, and in addition to the fact that Paul Ryan forced him to resign. Then we get more information as time goes on. Now we have a female aide, maybe one of the two, who says in Politico, without identification, um, that he tried to convince a her that she was in love with him. And then she felt retaliated against after turning Franks down. Franks absolutely denies that and denies all the allegations. I have absolutely never physically intimidated, coerced, or had or attempted to have any sexual contact with any member of my congressional staff. Then we have a a remarkable allegation that he offered $5 million for somebody to be a surrogate. Well, why would you need to offer $5 million for somebody to be a surrogate? You can do it a lot cheaper than that. I mean, I'm not an expert on this, but people do these things when they're desperate to have children. You don't have to offer $5 million to anybody. So I'm scratching my head. What's going on here? And that was in Roll Call. A former aide to Republican Representative Trent Fanks told AP... And I assume it's the same too, but I don't know. He repeatedly pressed her to carry his child at one point offering her $5 million to act as a surrogate. You know. And this, this raises the question of some of these problems here. This case is thrown in with Al Franken where you have uh, photographic evidence and women who have used their names and said he grabbed their butts and so forth and so on. This case is thrown in with John Conyers. I've been watching it all day. Where we have women who've come forward, gone on TV, gone on Fox, and explained in explicit detail what John Conyers did. I'm trying to figure this case out because we have none of that. No physical touching. No, you know, walking around in underwear. Excuse me. No photographs. No uh, ethics complaints filed. No settlement with public dollars. I mean, based on the record right now. And yet the leaks, even though he's resigning, little piece of this, little piece of that information coming forward. And we don't know who they are. And he, uh, he said he's resigning today because his wife is in the hospital and his family said enough is enough. 
And uh, so I'm perplexed by this. I'm perplexed by this because this goes against everything I've known about him. Again, I'm not a personal friend of his. I've not socialized with him, but I know who he is. And I know how he's led his life, or at least believe I know how he's led his life. And maybe it's inappropriate to ask a staffer if they're interested in being a surrogate. Or ask two staffers if they're interested in being a surrogate. I find it very hard to believe he offered somebody $5 million. I don't know what his background is, but I seriously doubt he has $5 million. And it's unnecessary to offer somebody $5 million. There are people who are prepared to be surrogates, and they don't require $5 million. So that just sounds weird to me. Does it to you, Mr. Producer? And um, the political piece doesn't even say that he made sexual overtures. It says that a staffer or the staffers weren't sure how to take his comments about being surrogates. If he meant to have sex with him or if he meant in vitro fertilization. Well, I don't even understand that. If you're going to accuse somebody of something, you're not sure of what they meant? whether in vitro fertilization or to sleep with you? That suggests to me that he didn't ask them to sleep with him because then you wouldn't say, I'm not sure what he meant. Well, he said what he meant. And then I just, I have a real problem with Politico because Politico is a left-wing news outlet. We talk about them sometimes, we cite them sometimes, but... It is the favorite or one of the favorite recipients of leaks from Republican leadership. And Paul Ryan couldn't stand this guy. He's a member of the Freedom Caucus. Now, this is all I know so far from published reports. I know nothing firsthand. But that's all I know about John Conyers. I wasn't a witness to what he was doing for 412 years either, or a witness to uh, you know, Al Franken at the, uh, at the uh, Minnesota Fair and so forth. But if these women would come forward, it would be a lot easier to ask them questions. I don't mean to grill them and abuse them. I'm not interested in that or anybody else being treated that way. Well, what exactly was said to you? What do you mean, $5 million? And yet there's no suggestion that I see in any of these reports, and many of these are liberal outlets, none of them of the Matt Lauer kind of conduct, of the Charlie Rose kind of conduct, of the John Conyers kind of conduct, of the Al Franken kind of conduct. None of it. None of it. None of it. And yet he's tonight he's thrown in with uh, with Conyers and, uh, and Franken. Maybe more information will come out. I don't know. Mark, you're taking sides. I'm trying to figure these things out. That's why when the information is kind of overwhelming and people are on the record and you have photographic evidence, that's one case. When you have people coming forward, in the case of John Conyers, very specific, very specific about details and he's really not denying them, that's another case. And down the line. And down the line. And we're talking here about in vitro fertilization and surrogates. 
No, I, I personally, if that was my situation, no, I wouldn't mention it to a staffer or suggested and so forth and so on. But I'm, 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 I'm truly confounded by this. So a staffer or two staffers thought that by that, they weren't clear, according to Politico, if he meant sex or in vitro fertilization. You're not clear? Well, did he say he wanted to have sex or not? Apparently not. And they had used this process before, as I, as I understand it, to have their children. To have their children. So this, to me, is a different situation. Unless there's more information, I'm just basing it on what I know today. Hey, look, the media throw this stuff in our lap, and we do the best to figure it out. That's what happens. That's what happens. They throw it in our lap. I didn't report this. They throw it in our lap, and you do the best you can to figure it out. And yet, I'm about facts and reason and, and principles and so forth. And you look at this. This is a different case, at least so far. It's a very different case. He's not walking around in his underwear. He's not squeezing people's butts. He's not, you know, grabbing a woman's breasts while they're sleeping, and there's a photograph of it. None of that's taking place. Zero. He talked about surrogates. And from there, there appears to be somewhat of a dispute. Even the reporting, as I say, the reporting is not, doesn't provide clarity. The reporting is not providing clarity. But they weren't sure if he meant sleep with them or in vitro fertilization. And yet, and yet, again, if you're a reporter, wouldn't you say, well, what do you mean you're not sure? Did he ask you to sleep with, did he, did he ask you to sleep with him? Yes or no? Well, maybe he implied it and suggested, I don't know. Okay, well, what do you know? And Politico doesn't tell us. Politico doesn't tell us. And maybe there'll be more details coming out. Let's see. I'm just reading this. Um, and it comes out quickly, and it's hard to keep up with all this stuff. There are more details, too. I just I can't, I can't stay on top of all of it. Uh, and, of course, the lead story tonight is Roy Moore, because the president is campaigning in Pensacola, which is right across the border from Mobile, Alabama. I know exactly where these areas are. Beautiful areas, by the way. And the Democrats, as we said here, very, very predictable, um, are trying to pin all this sexual harassment stuff on Donald Trump. Uh, some of them are asking now if there should be an investigation of Trump, if Trump should resign, their usual friendly media outlets, the nation and so forth, left-wing kook operations, doing exactly the same thing. So it all comes back to Trump. The Democrats are good at this. They have selective moral outrage. That's what I used to call it. That's what it is. Selective moral outrage. Never outraged by Clinton when he was in power. Never outraged by Ted Kennedy, period. Never outraged by Jack Kennedy or Lyndon Johnson. No, 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 no outrage there. John Conyers. Uh, you had Joe Scarborough defending John Conyers as the icon of the House of Representatives. You had uh, Nancy Pelosi doing the same thing. She reversed course in a few days. 
you had people like Dick Durbin saying that Al Franken has acted responsibly and deserves due process. And then they got their act together and they remembered, whoa, 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 this is about power and politics. What are we talking about? We're the ones who are supposed to stand for women and abortion and the pill and the government funding of all of it. We can't afford to lose our, our uh, women constituency. And so now they have schemed and plotted, and here we are. I'll be right back. Lovin. That time of year again when the days are shorter. Don't waste your precious daylight sifting through a sea of search results when looking for the right business software. Get home on time tonight with Capterra.com. Whether you're a startup looking to keep better track of customers, a nonprofit hoping to have a record fundraising year, or a business that simply needs better payroll software, you need software and Capterra's got you covered. Search Capterra's 400 categories of software. Discover the right tool for your business, anything from email marketing to scheduling to accounting and beyond. Captera makes it easy to find what you're looking for. Captera has thousands of ratings and reviews from actual software users just like you. Best of all, using Captera is absolutely free. 2018 will be here before you know it. So make sure you've got the software your business needs today to help you do what you do best. Join the millions who use Captera. All right, let's do it. Captera, C A P T. E-R-R-A, that's C-A-P-T-E-R-R-A dot com slash Levin, Captera dot com slash L-E-V-I-N. Check it out, folks. It's well, well worth it. It really is. All right. So uh, there's other information floating around. Uh, somebody said that there may be over 40 examples of sexual harassment. Capital. I have no idea, but I do know this. Gloria Allred has a lot to answer for. Gloria Allred, the left-wing kook lawyer, in my humble opinion, who I've dealt with before, she has a lot to answer for. Turns out that annual, that yearbook, that the uh, accuser to Roy Moore, when she was 14, she says, uh, you know, inappropriate... Uh, conduct took place. Again, I'm just analyzing the facts. It was funny, I don't mean it funny, funny, but odd, that they would not turn over that annual, that yearbook, for a handwriting experts, an independent handwriting expert. Gloria Allred said over and over again, not until there is a Senate or how a Senate committee hearing on Roy Moore. You don't have a Senate committee hearing on a candidate. So she must have known something was wrong. She was reluctant to turn over that yearbook, and so was the uh, the individual who was making the allegations against Moore. And now we know why. She's confessed that part of what was written in that yearbook was written by her. The date, the restaurant location, and uh, the title, the DA initials. But the rest of it is accurate. Well, why did she do that? Why did she do that? And it really does raise questions about credibility. You can draw whatever conclusion you wish. And she stood by what was written in that yearbook, as did Gloria Allred, 
for weeks. Most of the major media in this country rejected any idea that there should be a handwriting uh, expert to take a look at this. They just thought that the, that the uh, Roy Moore campaign and Roy Moore himself were raising objections, were just throwing smoke out there. Mitch McConnell, Cory Gardner, none of them. None of them said, let's really dig down on the evidence and see what's going on. No, just assume it's accurate. This is why it's important to have actual names and information and so forth so you can take a look at it. Like Leanne Tweeden had a photograph of Al Franken grabbing her breast when she's sleeping. That's pretty conclusive. I'll be right back. He's here. He's here. Now, broadcasting from the underground command post, deep in the bowels of a hidden bunker, somewhere under the brick and steel of a nondescript building, we've once again made contact with our leader, Mark Levin. Hello, everybody. Mark Levin here. Our number, 877-381-3811, 877-381-3811. Well, it's going to snow here, I guess. I really can't stand it. I really can't stand it. Uh, but anyway, who cares? Beverly Young Nelson, that's the Roy Moore accuser, uh, or at the time the 14-year-old. She was on Good Morning America today. She was on Good Morning America today, and this is where the information came out about um, her writing some of the information that was in the yearbook. Hat tip, real care politics. Cut six, go. Young's proof that she knew more? Her yearbook with this inscription. But Moore and his supporters have called into question that inscription, noting the writing under the signature appears to be different. Let's look at Beverly Nelson. Everybody knows her yearbook is a forgery. Nelson says she did make notes to the inscription, but the message was all Roy Moore. Beverly, he signed your yearbook. He did sign it. And you made some notes underneath. Yes. Uh, excuse me, excuse me, excuse me. For weeks, for weeks, Gloria Allred and Nelson have insisted that that was all Nelson. For weeks. I would like to know what Gloria Allred actually knew. But why did Ms. Nelson continue with that position, that posture, for weeks? Only up until now, a couple days before the election. Why didn't she say the top part is more and the bottom part is me? But she didn't until now. And it was obvious when they refused to take this yearbook and give it to an independent writing analyst, a professional, an expert, to make a determination. They refused to do it. And my understanding is they still refuse to do it based on published reports. Does that raise any questions about Beverly Young Nelson's credibility? I'm not attacking her. I'm asking you a question. Does it raise any questions about it? When the inscription about the restaurant location and so forth is hers and not his, and only now we learn about it? Only now. And isn't it interesting 
the gaggle of media out there, they could care less. They they didn't pursue this with any degree of resolve. They didn't pursue this with any degree of resolve. And yet everything Beverly Young Nelson says is to be believed, period. And this is the problem in the Trent Franks case. We don't have anybody to talk to. We don't know what their evidence is. We don't know what their information is. We have such people in the Conyers case. We have such people in the Al Franken case. We have such people in this case. We have no people, by name, in the Trent Franks case. Maybe they'll come forward. Maybe we'll be able to figure this out because the political report doesn't do us much good in terms of understanding exactly what the what the offense is in terms of whether the, they raise the question on that, that one or more of the staffers, one or two of them, uh, whether he, they, they, they weren't sure if he was asking, that is, Franks, uh, whether to have sex with them or uh, whether they would help him with, uh, as a surrogate with in vitro fertilization. Well, that seems to me to be the very, very crucial question. And yet Politico doesn't answer it, and they have access to these anonymous sources. You and I don't. And then again, it's dropped in our laps. Now, I want to talk about this show, The Morning Joe, which is named after Joe Scarborough. This is a very, very nasty, vile program. It really is. It's sort of a Mort Downey show. They're both Mort Downey, except Mort Downey had some limits and later regretted uh, how he handled television programming. But Joe Scarborough and Mika Brzezinski, soon to be wedded, these people have no boundaries. No boundaries whatsoever. And it's amazing. They had on their panel Mark Halpern, who's now had to be resigned or fired from everything he's done because of multiple women who've come forward. Multiple women. And he doesn't deny most of the allegations they made. Harold Ford, I don't know what the truth is there, but Harold Ford has been a guest from time to time. There are now reports about him. Whether they're accurate or not, I don't know. Uh, Of course, they were friendly with Matt Lauer on the Today Show. Very friendly with Matt Lauer. Then they have a guy by the name of Mike Barnacle there. Mike Barnacle is a, or was, a plagiarist. And this this consists in part of their panel. And then you had uh, Joe Scarborough himself giving one of the most aggressive, emotional defenses of John Conyers imaginable. And has yet to apologize to the American people or to his audience. Or to the women who John Conyers molested. Nothing. And now Mika Brzezinski, who fancies herself as a leader among women and who is a prominent speaker at various women's functions and meetings and so forth, I want you to listen to what she has to say about Leanne Tweeden. Leanne Tweeden, who actually is a photograph of Al Franken, who she says was grabbing his breath, her breast when she was sleeping on an airplane, among other things. Where other women have come forward, by name, by name, about how he 
grab their backsides. And that seems to have been a pattern. There wasn't a question of whether he grabbed their backsides, you know, whether he wanted sex or in vitro fertilization. No, no, no. He grabbed their backsides. They say it emphatically, emphatically, definitively. But Mika Brzezinski is upset because Al Franken's a friend and Al Franken's a leftist. I want you to listen to her because she's revealed herself yet again as a complete fraud and phony. Cut four, go. We've never really talked about the woman who first came out against Al Franken, who's in the picture that you say, Susan, is just the the death knell. I would think a dress uh, owned by Monica Lewinsky would bring down a president, but it didn't. So I'm surprised that you think a comedian's picture of a performer, playboy model who goes on Hannity, who voted for Trump. Um, All right, right, stop right there. So a former playboy model, I didn't know that about her, it doesn't matter who goes on Hannity, who voted for Trump. I hope you women are listening out there. What Mika Brzezinski is saying is she will defend liberal men, who she agrees with, and she will defend liberal women, who claim to be victims. But she will not, she will not stand up for a woman like Leanne Tweeden who really has an overwhelming case against Al Franken, including a photograph. Pretty incredible, isn't it? MSNBC won't say anything. MSNBC won't say anything. She is a complete disgrace. Absolute disgrace. Go ahead. I, I see some politics there, but I haven't brought that up every step of the way because, of course, in this Me Too environment, you must always just believe the women. No, 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 no. Nobody's saying that. I never believed Anita Hill, even before the Me Too environment. Never believed her for a second. How about you, Mika? I'm raising questions about the Trent Franks case, not because I just want to raise questions about the Trent Franks case, but I don't even know who's making the allegations. I have no idea. Maybe we'll find out at some point. Maybe we'll get some more information. And the information in Politico is even confounding. But you won't find Mika Brzezinski raising questions about it. I don't mean denouncing the women who are speaking anonymously, but wanting to know more information. Go ahead. But there's a lot of reasons why we need to look at the women seriously and believe them. And in many cases, like, for example, I spoke to accusers in Mark Halpert, uh, which to which he admits a lot of what he's uh, accused of doing. I spoke to them. I believe them. Right. You spoke to them. You believe them. And he confessed. So that's not really hard to do. The hard cases is where you, you have people uh, making anonymous allegations in the media and the person being targeted denying them or explaining them. Go ahead. I was wondering if all women need to be believed. And No, I'm- all women don't need to be believed. Each case is different. Each case is different. The case against Conyers was open and shut. The case against Al Franken is open and shut. Open and shut. Now we have an issue that came up with the the yearbook uh, with Ms. Nelson and her allegation against 
Roy Moore, and I can assure you, Mika Brzezinski will not be questioning it. She'll be defending it and dismissing it. Go ahead. That we are being the judge, the jury, and the cops here, and so did Senate Democrats getting ahead of their skis. And trust me, Kirsten Gillibrand, I want you to run for president, but you got to keep it real. I don't want her to run for president. She's a chameleon. She's a fake and a fraud. She not only supported Bill Clinton, he supported her. As we talked about a length on November 17th, I talked about a length yesterday, and so forth. And yet, Brzezinski wants her to be president of the United States. What kind of show is this show, The Morning Joe? What kind of show is this? With truly stupid people as the hosts, very questionable panel members, on a left-wing kook network. I'll be right back. Mark Lovin. The great WABC, Robert in Queens. Go right ahead, sir. Hello, Mark. Mark, um, back to the top. Uh, sexual harassment. Back to what? Back to you were talking about the uh, the cases of sexual harassment and discussing. Right. Mm-hmm. Very qu- a quick question. You yeah. said that it's open and shut with Al Franken, but Al Franken denies the charges. The same as you know. How is it Actually, Al Franken does not really. He he said he did on the floor of the Senate, but he refuses to be judged by the Senate Ethics Committee. Why is that? Well, no, he doesn't. He says that he'd be cleared by the Senate. No, he Ethics. said he'd be cleared, but he's resigning to avoid the Senate Ethics Committee, I thought. He is. He feels it well because his own party is abandoned. Don't you get tired of being a mouthpiece? Here I am trying to look at each one of these cases. I'm laying out exactly what I see. Tell me, sir, that photograph you see where Leanne Tweeden says he did, in fact, grab her breast. What do you see there in that photograph? I'll tell you what I see in that photograph. Yeah, what do you I see? see? I see a very, very stupid... High school prank of a guy taking a stupid picture on that photograph. And but so you see, sir, the pro, the pro, the see that no, not everybody else. Maybe in your family, but not in mine. Do you have a daughter, sir? I do. I have a daughter and a son. Okay, I didn't ask you about your son, but you do have a daughter. Let me just say something. And if she, no, no, I'm educating you because you sound like a schmo. If your daughter's in an airplane and she's asleep. And some guy comes up and even pretends to put his hands on her breasts. And, and a photograph is taken of that. Is that a high school prank to you? But uh, No, it's not, but you're going off. Oh, I thought you just said it was. Franken denies the allegation. He can't deny the photograph, genius. He cannot deny the photograph. The a photograph of him, she says, putting his hands on her breast. He does not deny it's him. He does not deny that she... And even if he's pretending to put his hands on her breasts. Do you know something? As a matter of fact, do you know what assault is, sir? It's if somebody believes that there is a danger or a, a, a sexual abuse that is about to occur. Are you aware of that? Uh, and I, think uh, 18, I think 18 women who accuse Trump are aware of it, too. Why are you even bringing up Trump? Because you can't play politics with... All right, let's, let's speak this way. Let's pretend we're in a court of law. You, you, excuse me. I know your mind's wandering. I'm going to try and bring it back. If you wanted to debate Trump, we could have debated Trump. 
if we're focused on Al Franken, bringing up Trump is not a defense of Al Franken. That's politics. You just defended a photograph where a United States, well, he is a senator now, but where a guy is grabbing the breasts of a woman. She says he grabbed her breasts. He claims he didn't grab them. He came close for just a picture, whatever. And your defense is Donald Trump. I'm not. Do you realize what an idiot you sound like? I'm not defending either one, and I'm not an idiot. So in other words, if some man grabs your daughter's breasts or has a picture of it, all he has to do is say, Donald Trump. And you'd say, you know what? He's right. Is that what you would do? You're going off point. Get off the air, you idiot. Not going anywhere. I'm unraveling your absurdity. One of the three fans of the uh, Morning Joe Schmo, uh, whatever it's called. Let's pick another, shall we, Mr. But any other disagreeers? Well, let's get an intelligent, regular American. Go right ahead. The great KVOR, Ed, Colorado. How are you, sir? Thanks for taking my call, Mark. You bet. Patriotic music in the city of Colorado Springs, where we have the Air Force Academy in NORAD and Fort Carson and Shriver. Right. Uh, My dad got a Burmese star in World War I, got mustard gas poisoning. My brother Ivan was on Her Majesty's ship, the renowned in the Pacific. If it wasn't for the Americans showing up, he would have been put to the bottom of the ocean. I had three sisters in uniform. And I had myself and my brother in uniform. And I understand you don't take prayers on the air, but are you familiar with the exhortation? All right, sir, sir, sir. The reason we don't take prayers on the air is because they take too long. And I don't believe in prayers on the air. I believe if people want to say prayers, they should say prayers. They can say it in a public forum. They can say them themselves. They can say it at church or something or whatever. But if I open the show, the prayers on the air, that's all we're going to get, prayers on the air. You understand? The exhortation is not a prayer. Could I read Well, it? you're the one who said prayers. You don't take prayers on the air. I, you're screener. What? So, you're, yeah, so I could, could I read these five lines to you? No, no we're not going to read. But I want to tell you, I want to thank you and your family for your service. But we're not going to read five lines. I appreciate it. Next caller, Mr. Producer, until I get this damn phone screen working, what do you got? The great WRNN, Michael, South Carolina, go. Hey, Mark, I just wanted to say hello and thanks for being you. And, okay. uh, I really well, I wanted to be like somebody you. else, but I almost got arrested. <laughs> no, go right ahead. Thanks for not being that person, whoever you wanted to be. Yes, exactly. But um, I, I watched the uh, the war, you know, footage every every Pearl Harbor day and all this World War II. And I'm thinking, you know, who's going to fight our wars? These schmoes on the left. They won't even get up off the sofa. You know, they're, they have no, I mean, they're just crazy. I don't know why, but. We, we have some of the most wonderful men and women a country can ever produce. That's what we have, and we're not giving them the support that they need and deserve. Thank you for your call, brother. We'll be right back. talk back to your radio then you must be listening to mark levin pick up the phone and call 877-381-3811 see here's the thing people say you're very mean to call i'm really not people tell the call screener not what they're going to say but the topic of what they're going to discuss so we can 
keep the show substantive, interesting, and so forth and so on. And so when they get through the call screener and they get to me, if they want to start reading stuff or going through family histories or something like that, which is fine perhaps at a different time, they haven't told the call screener actually what they were planning on doing. Now, I could run this show without a call screener, and then people pop in left and right, and we'll be talking about God knows what. Who knows? I don't even need to take callers. Three hours to me with commercials, I can go on and on and on about a thousand different things that fascinate me, and I would think fascinate you too. So that's why I, I, I may seem a little frustrated to you from time to time. It's, it's nothing personal, and it's nothing personal with the caller. But it's important that if you're going to come on the program that you are truthful, maybe. Isn't that right, Mr. Producer? Am I getting that right? I think I am. You know, i got to tell you, I'd pick my Casper mattress over every mattress I've ever had. It helps me get the best night's sleep, period. Once you try yours, you're going to love it. Switching to Casper is a no-brainer. It's a higher-quality mattress at a more affordable price. I'm sleeping cool and comfortably every night, much better than on the old overpriced mattress I used to have. Casper ships for free in a small, how do they do that size box? They'll even pick it up and refund you everything if you don't love it. From its breakthrough design and superior quality to its packaging, it's no wonder Casper was named one of Fast Company's 50 most innovative businesses and brands of 2017. Put Casper to the test. They want you to put Casper to the test. You can do it without any risk. You can put it in your home for 100 nights. You can sleep on it, risk-free. And then if you like it, keep it. And I think you will. And if you don't like it, you can send it back. No cost to you. Go to Casper.com slash Mark and use code Mark. That's Casper.com slash Mark. Use code Mark. For $50 towards the purchase of your mattress. It's a little more complicated now. That's Casper.com slash Mark, code Mark. Terms and conditions apply. But I'll tell you one thing. If you do that, you're going to sleep beautifully like you've never slept before. I can tell you that. Personal experience. Family members. Even Barney, they have one for dogs, and he loves it. It's his favorite. I've got like two or three beds out there for him. He sleeps on the Casper mattress at night. If he's not on the bed with me, well, he's also sleeping on a Casper mattress. How do you like that? It's true. All right, Daniel, Fairfield, Connecticut, Sirius Satellite. How are you, sir? First of all, uh, Mr. Levin, I just want to thank you. It's an honor speaking to you. I listen to you all the time, and you're a true patriot. Many of the concepts and precepts that I use my argument against the stupid lib, I've gotten (laughs) from you. Well, you're very kind. Thank you, brother. And the other thing, I served in the Navy for six years, and in the Navy, we had nothing but honor. And what I mm-hmm. told your call screeners, I want to tell you, and I'll part with this. The reason we're having these problems is no virtuous men left in the Senate, in the Congress, albeit Mike Lee, Rand Paul, and my, and my great hero, Ted Cruz. Mm-hmm. If you had more men that acted like men with virtuous natures and dispositions, half of this crap we wouldn't go through. I hope you have a wonderful don't, don't hang up yet. First of all, I want to thank you. Uh, uh, and But virtue is a key. Virtue is something that is discussed throughout American history. Virtue is something discussed by the founders of this country and the framers of the Constitution. 
As a matter of fact, John Adams points it out. And, and even in my latest book, Rediscovering Americanism, I point out that liberty without virtue is not liberty. Liberty without virtue is anarchy. And you're quite right. This, this, this notion of virtuous, uh, being virtuous isn't even discussed. When you hear Mika Brzezinski, does she sound virtuous to you? Sounds like a bumbling idiot. Bumbling idiot and a hack, just like her soon-to-be husband. They don't really want to walk through these things and try and figure them out. It's who's wearing uh, whose team's uniform. That's it. All right, my friend. Excellent call, and I much appreciate it. All right. Let's see who else we have here. No, I don't really care for those right now. All right. I, it is currently, uh, what is it, 7.37 p.m. Eastern Time, and there's been no new report of a sexual harassment right now. That's a good thing, right? I'm sure they'll come out, though. Now, I want to swing back into something else we've been talking about. Oh, no, here he goes. No, I really want to do this. There was something that Donald Trump put out today that was actually quite brilliant. And that is these uh, video clips of past presidents saying that uh, they support Jerusalem as the capital of Israel. And I'm doing this because... As I have been observing, media, Democrats, uh, some Republicans, but phonies all, as I've been listening to them talk about how Trump's going to get us killed and he's going to get other people killed and he's, and he's going against custom and all the rest of it, it is important to remember what these other presidents have said, especially when they're running for office. So just take a listen to this montage respecting uh, Clinton, Bush, and Obama during their first candidacies for president. Cut seven, go. Jerusalem is still the capital of Israel and must remain an undivided city accessible to all. As soon as I take office, I will begin the process of moving the United States ambassador to the city of Israel as chosen as its capital. I continue to say that uh, Jerusalem will be the capital of Israel. And I have said that before and I will say it again. They all lied. They all lied. They never intended to move the embassy. And you must recognize Jerusalem is the capital of Israel if you're going to move the embassy. Clinton lied. Bush 43 lied. And Obama lied. I mean, that's pretty compelling, don't you think? None of them had the guts to do what Trump did. None of them. Nikki Haley who is the Jean Kirkpatrick of our time, for those of us who remember her. Jean Kirkpatrick at the UN today. Cut eight, go. Israel, like all nations, has the right to determine its capital city. Jerusalem is the home of Israel's parliament, president, prime minister, supreme court, and many of of its ministries. It is simple common sense that foreign embassies be located there. In virtually every country in the world, U.S. embassies are located in the host country's capital city. Israel should be no different. The United States took this step in full knowledge that it will raise questions and concerns. Our actions are intended to help advance the cause of peace. Mm -hmm. She said more than that. Cut nine, go. I will not let this moment pass without a comment about the United Nations itself. 
over many years, the United Nations has outrageously been of the world's foremost centers of hostility towards Israel. The U.N. has done much more damage to the prospects for Middle East peace than to advance them. We will not be a party to that. The United States no longer stands by when Israel is unfairly attacked in the United Nations. And the United States will not be lectured to by countries that lack any credibility when it comes to treating both Israelis and Palestinians fairly. It is no coincidence that the historic peace agreements between Egypt and Israel and between Jordan and Israel were both signed on the White House lawn. If and when there's a historic peace agreement between Israelis and Palestinians, there's a good likelihood that it, too, will be signed on the White House lawn. Why is that? It's because the United States has credibility with both sides. Israel will never be, and should never be, bullied into an agreement by the United Nations or by any collection of countries that have proven their disregard for Israel's security. Nikki Haley, you heard the president the other day. We played uh, almost his entire speech. And I want to say this as a Jewish person. Donald Trump has done more for the state of Israel than any Jewish Democrat in the United States Congress. Let me repeat that. Let me repeat it. It's Friday night. Many Jews are in temple right now. But I'm really focused on the liberals. Donald Trump, who you hate with such a passion, and dismiss and look down upon, has done more for the state of Israel than any Democrat in the House or Senate, period, and any Democrat in the House or Senate who's Jewish. Donald Trump has done more for the state of Israel than APAC. That's right, I'll call him as I see him. He's done more for the state of Israel than APAC. He's done more for the state of Israel than any liberal Jewish person in the country. Even more than Congress. And he still won't receive a majority of vote of the Jewish population. Because the sad truth is, you can look at Catholicism too, you can look at sort of mainstream Protestantism too. The fact of the matter is, And we've talked about this many, many, many times. And I can say this as a Jew. That this radical liberalism, radical liberalism, ready for this, is out of step with traditional Judaism. What did he say? Exactly what I said. Exactly what I said. Isn't it interesting that Bernie Sanders would surround himself with people who are hostile to Israel and yet supportive of the quote-unquote Palestinian cause? Did Bernie Sanders praise Donald Trump and his action? No. He has contempt for all of it. 
He was born a Jew. But Bernie is a Marxist first. Just being honest. He's a Marxist first. It is difficult, even though some people wrestle with it, maybe they accommodate their own mindset with it, it is difficult to believe in radical progressivism, which puts the state above all other things. The state above all other things. It's difficult to reconcile that with faith, whether you're a Jew, a Christian, or whatever. Because you don't put the state above everything else. The reason why we have a Supreme Court since the 1940s and others in this country, particularly on the left, who insist on wiping out religion from the public square, prayer from the school and so forth, isn't because they really fear the imposition of religious fundamentalism. It's absurd. It isn't even because they're defending those who have minority beliefs and they would argue, shouldn't even have to deal with this because they're uncomfortable. It's because for them, government is omnipotent. Government is omnipotent. There is a reason why on so many occasions when Barack Obama would read the Declaration of Independence, he wasn't really reading the Declaration of Independence. He was excising out of the Declaration of Independence References to God. For the radical progressives, the focus must be on government. The focus must be on redistribution of wealth. The focus must be on all those things that have nothing to do with religion. Not only that, for Jews and Christians and others, there's been a reformation. A religious reformation. And our religions recognize the sanctity of the individual. Progressivism rejects the sanctity of the individual. The individual must conform to the iron fist of the progressive policy. Anyway, there's some food for you to chew on. I'll be right back. Mark Lovin. You know, not many colleges can claim that they're 100% financially independent from both federal and state governments. In fact, I can think of only one college in the entire country that refuses government funding of every kind. Not one penny, and that would be Hillsdale College. Now, why do they do that? Because government money comes with strings, and Hillsdale refuses to have government bureaucrats dictate what and how they must teach or run on their campuses. From the beginning in 1844, Hillsdale has provided a world-class education that upholds America's founding principles and preserves the blessings of civil and religious liberty. Everything Hillsdale does... From the financial aid that 97% of its students receive to the completely free online courses it offers you depends on generous donors who recognize the worth of independence. Financial freedom preserves the integrity and excellence of a Hillsdale liberal arts education, attracting the nation's brightest students in scores of fields of study, from music to biology to business. 
Hillsdale College teaches their students to pursue truth and defend liberty. You can learn more about Hillsdale College and, and how they help all of us become better, more independent citizens, and how you can help Hillsdale further freedom at levinforhillsdale.com, L-E-V-I-N for Hillsdale.com. All right, let us go. Nick, El Paso, Texas, the great KTSM, go. Hello, Mark Levin. Um, I just wanted to thank you for all your conservative news outlets that you put out. Being a active duty soldier here at Fort Bliss, you putting out the word of conservatism is a great help to all of us out here that are conservatives out here in El Paso, Texas. Thank you, my friend. Appreciate that. Of course. Um, what I wanted to get to the issue of tonight was about why liberals are making a big deal about Jerusalem, uh, Jerusalem being the capital of Israel. I don't understand how when we give about $30 million a year to our greatest ally in the Middle East to control ISIS and fighting terrorism, that they want to bitch, whine, moan, and complain that Jerusalem is now all of a sudden the capital of Israel. When it's well, I need to correct you. Uh, actually, Iran is the recipient of the most money from the United States. Okay, well, I'm sorry, Mr. Levin, I got my information wrong. $150 billion. Now, not all of it is from us, but we released an enormous amount of money, and we made an enormous amount of money available to them when we lifted sanctions. So I would argue that Iran is the biggest recipient of funds from the United States, public and private, by far, multiple fold. But anyway, go right ahead. I appreciate it. I, I just I just don't understand how liberals can say, oh, it's a bad thing, like the Bernie Sanders, the Hillary Clintons, and all the fucking liberals of the world. Oh, we shouldn't have Jerusalem as capital. I'll tell you why, and, and, and I'm going to be perfectly honest about this. Anything Trump does, they're going to oppose. They hate him with uh, such a passion. That's the first point. The second point is this. The Democrat Party more and more is relying, I'm just being honest with you, is relying on anti-Israel elements. Uh including waves and waves of immigration into this country uh, from Arab and Muslim uh, communities. Did I offend somebody with that? It's just true. And so you actually find something that's uh, ironic and odd. You have, in many cases, liberal Jews who claim to support Israel voting in the same coalition for the Democrats with Arabs and Muslims and Palestinians who do not. And by the way, I'm not saying every single one. I'm just making a general point. I'll be right back. He's here. He's here. Now, broadcasting them from the underground command post, deep in the bowels of a hidden bunker, somewhere under the brick and steel of a nondescript building, we've once again made contact with our leader, Mark Levin. Everybody, Mark Levin here. Our number 877-381-3811. 877-381-3811. Let me wrap this up. Is the State Department part of our government? Is it part of our government? Is it part of the executive branch, or is it part? Or is it a? Put it this way: Is it a department that represents foreign governments or our government? When the President of the United States makes a decision, is that a decision the State Department is supposed to enforce? I want you to listen to something. There's an acting Assistant Secretary of State by the name of David Satterfield. And he's being questioned by one of our favorites here, Matt Lee of the Associated Depressed. 
Hat tip to our buddies at Right Scoop. I want you to listen to this, seriously. Tell me if the State Department isn't a rogue operation. Cut 11, go. What country is Jerusalem in? Uh, the president recognized Jerusalem as the capital of the state of Israel. Does that mean, then, that the U.S. government officially recognizes that Jerusalem, the municipality, lies within the state of Israel? There has been no change in our policy uh, with respect to consular practice or passport issuance at this time, which is... Is Jerusalem in Israel? We recognize Jerusalem as the capital. Of, we recognize Jerusalem as a capital of Israel. I'm not going to go on and on. What about official documents? Will they say Jerusalem, comma Israel? What about the mailing address of the consulate? Or the street address of the consulate? I've already commented that on consular practice, there is no change uh, at this time. With respect to maps, uh, we are of course examining that issue, and when we have a decision, uh, we will announce it with respect to how we will treat. Uh, Jerusalem for official USG-produced mapping purposes. This is incredible. Listen to these people. The reason Matt Lee at AP is pressing this point, President of the United States says that Jerusalem is the capital of Israel. Now, in order to have a capital, ladies and gentlemen, it has to be in your country. It's in your country. Two State Department spokespeople, Satterfield and Nowart, refused to... Heather Nauert refused to recognize that Jerusalem is in Israel. If the President of the United States just did what he did, which is a courageous thing. Furthermore, we have a consulate in Jerusalem, not an embassy. So we have an embarrassing situation here. The counselor in Israel in many respects, has more so-so than the ambassador in Israel from the United States. Which is appalling. The president's trying to correct that. The State Department is resisting it. Then there are the documents and so forth. The official documents. Will they recognize Jerusalem as being in Israel? No, apparently. Not right now. They're having to analyze the situation over there at the State Department. What about the maps? Will Jerusalem be shown as the capital of Israel and in Israel when it comes to our maps? Well, we're looking at that. We're not so sure. And, of course, Rex Tillerson, who I've always had nothing but, uh, well, I find him to be buffoonish, and I find him to be really off the reservation in so many respects. He's sort of a slow-talking, slightly overweight James Baker. And I was no fan of his either when he was Secretary of State. But it would appear we have a State Department that is a rogue operation. A rogue operation. The State Department represents the U.N., Represents the Palestinians and the other Arabs, represents the Muslim countries, represents uh, uh, the European countries, but apparently doesn't represent our country. Now here's the concern, you see. The President has directed that the State Department will do what has to be done to move and build the embassy in Jerusalem. From engineers and architects and on and on and on and on. Do these people sound like they're in a hurry to do that? 
Or do these people sound like they're going to try and wait out this administration and hopefully get a left-wing Democrat administration, which will put the kibosh on this? That's a big deal, don't you think? So the acting assistant secretary, David Satterfield, and a spokeswoman, Heather Nauert, they won't acknowledge that Jerusalem's in Israel. Now, maybe, maybe they haven't been to Israel. Maybe they haven't been there. I mean, you know how offensive this is? That's saying Washington's not in America. Now, some of us wish, but it is. That Washington is not in America. And this, this issue, by the way, isn't a 70-year-old issue. As our buddy David uh, Daniel Horowitz points out at Conservative Review, he's wrote a brilliant piece, as he always does, our buddy Daniel Horowitz. He said, the U.S. initially recognized the Jewish people's right to sovereignty over the entirety of the land west of the Jordan River, including Jerusalem, 95 years ago. You're not going to hear this on TV, so stick with me. But endless threats of the Arab street has deterred them from following through with this commitment until President Trump. The fact that he's willing to break the same old paradigm of putting Arab street concerns above our interests and doing what's right is a very positive quality that will hopefully bear fruit on other foreign and domestic policies as well. There never was an Arab-Palestinian state in the Holy Land, and all the land west of the Jordan River was originally earmarked for the Jewish state under the Balfour Declaration exactly 100 years ago. That plan was adopted by the Allied powers and the League of Nations in 1920 and 1922. On September 21, 1922, President Warren Harding signed H.J. Resolution, a House Resolution 322, which formally adopted the mandate for Palestine as official U.S. policy. The resolution recognized Jewish dominion over all of Palestine. Now you know why the Arabs in the area call themselves Palestinians. So you think they're indigenous to Palestine. The resolution recognized Jewish dominion over all of Palestine, which was a Jewish, not Arab term, hearkening back to the days of Roman Emperor Hadrian. So long as they recognized the civil and religious rights of Christian and all other non-Jewish communities and ensured that the holy places and religious buildings and sites in Palestine shall be adequately protected. This is 1922. The committee reported from the House Foreign Affairs Committee recognized the God-given rights to the land and the fact that Jews were already rehabilitating the conditions of the people living there from the wanton and deplorable policy of the desolation systematically carried out by its rulers, the Turks, for centuries. And then we have this slob, this pig, this dictator, Aragon of Turkey, who's trashing the United States, trashing Christians, trashing Jews, trashing Israel. He of the old notion of the Ottoman Empire. Observe the report of the House Foreign Affairs Committee back in the 20s. What was once the land of milk and honey has become, through misrule and oppression, a devastated and sparsely settled land. So, when the Turks controlled the so-called West Bank, they destroyed it. When the Jordanians controlled Jerusalem, they destroyed it. It's quite evident that the House Committee blamed the Turks for the dysfunction and oppression 
and viewed the creation of the Jewish state not just as a biblical fulfillment and a place of refuge for persecuted European Jews, but as the only means of preserving democratic rights for everyone. You want to hear more? This is interesting. Christian, Jews, Muslims, whomever. Congressman Frank Appleby, Republican, New Jersey, spoke on the floor and noted that for over 2,000 years, no other nation or people claimed the land as their homeland. Despite the prevailing isolationist sentiment among the politicians during that era, they unanimously and passionately spoke of the need to recognize Palestine as the land of the Jews for the purposes of justice, liberty, and humanity. And you can read the entire congressional record if you wish. During consideration of the resolution on the House floor on June 30, Representative Walter Chandler, Republican New York, delivered a lengthy and riveting speech summing up the purpose and background of the revolution, uh, resolution. And I might add, these are all Gentiles. These are all Christians. His speech makes it clear that the intent was to always have one state controlled by Jews and that it was universally understood the Jewish government would be better for all sides in terms of democratic values and that a few jihadist agitators were seeking to undermine the agreement. Sound familiar? He predicted that Jerusalem would be the seat of the Jewish government. His words were quite prophetic and ominous. Chandler directly addressed the smattering of the Arabs living in the area. Here's what he said about that that the Arabs shall be permitted to remain in Palestine under Jewish government and domination and with their civil and religious rights guaranteed to them through the British mandate and under the terms of the Balfour Declaration, that if they will not consent to Jewish government and domination, they shall be required to sell their lands at a just valuation and retire into the Arab territory, which has been assigned to them by the League of Nations and the general reconstruction of the countries of the East, and that if they will not consent to Jewish government and domination, under conditions of right and justice, or to sell their lands at a just valuation and to retire in their own countries, they shall be driven from Palestine by force. Representative Walter M. Chadler, Republican New York. So it was clear that nobody ever intended to establish any other entity governing this entire area. Chandler prophetically noted that the Arabs in the Palestine in Palestine should be and would be happy and content under the present government of that country, if it were not, not for the Turks and the Arab agitators who travel around over the land stirring up trouble, I'm quoting him, by making false representations concerning the true character of the Zionist movement. This is what Chandler said. And that's what happened. For the next 95 years, the Arab agitators waged jihad, and every modern American president has cowered in the face of jihad. The entire purpose of the agreement on Palestine was to give the land only to the entity that would protect the holy sites and civil rights. Yet global elites here and abroad re rewarded Arabs for violating the agreement. Violence indeed does pay and did pay off for the jihadists. Commensurate with every threat of violence was a demand that Jews pay tribute in the form of blood or surrender. After 95 years, President Trump has righted it wrong and restored the original intent of a unanimous body of Congress in 1922. 1922. Although he promised to move the embassy, it's clear that the State Department will undermine him, as you just heard. And his own appointees, Secretary of State Rex Tillerson and Secretary of Defense James Mattis, opposed even Trump recognizing Jerusalem is the capital of Israel and making the announcement. Opposed even that. Opposed even that. Mr. Producer, one more time. Cut 11, go.
What country is Jerusalem in? The president recognized Jerusalem as the capital of the state of Israel. Does that mean then that the U.S. government officially recognizes that Jerusalem, the municipality, lies within the state of Israel? There has been no change in our policy with respect to consular practice or passport issuance at this time. Is Jerusalem in Israel? We recognize Jerusalem as the capital. That is not my question. We recognize Jerusalem as the capital of Israel. I'm not going to go on and on. What about official documents? Will they say Jerusalem, Israel? What about the mailing address of the consulate or the street address of the consulate? I've already commented that on consular practice there is no change at this time. With respect to maps, we are, of course, examining that issue. And when we have a decision, we will announce it with respect to how we will treat Jerusalem for official USG-produced mapping purposes. You know, I want to mention the wonderful economic news, which probably isn't getting the attention it deserves. 228,000 jobs added, 33,000 of which in manufacturing. In manufacturing. Hispanic unemployment, as the government tracks this, the lowest since it's ever been recorded. Unemployment is at a 17-year low. Consumer confidence is at a 17-year high. The gross domestic product, the economy, grew at 3.3% last quarter. Obama never hit 3%. Pretty incredible, isn't it? I should note, all of this wonderful economic news occurred without any new major tariffs. You wear that, Mr. Producer? All this wonderful new economic news occurred even with NAFTA in place. Because, ladies and gentlemen, growth isn't created by tariffs. Growth is killed by tariffs. NAFTA isn't destroying jobs. NAFTA is eliminating trade barriers. NAFTA was Ronald Reagan's idea. The president who created the greatest growth the most jobs, the greatest new businesses of any president in American history. So we have 228,000 new jobs created or added, 33,000 of which are in manufacturing. Hispanic unemployment, the lowest ever since recorded. Unemployment at a 17-year low. Consumer confidence at a 17-year high. 3.3% GDP growth without scrapping NAFTA and without new major tariffs. Now, what's going to happen is the Republicans are going to pass a tax bill at some point, which will massively increase taxes on some people, massively reduce taxes for some people, particularly uh, people at the lower end, a very, very significant number of new, uh, no-tax-paying Americans, which is extremely unhealthy for a society when 50% of the population pays no taxes, no federal income taxes at all. There'll be significant corporate income tax cuts from 35 to 20 percent, give or take. So the business side will be taken care of. The individual side is a mess. To be messing around with people's homes, to be messing around with people's budgets by taking away or significantly capping the home property tax deduction, 
or the state income tax deduction by pretending you're attacking blue states when in fact you're attacking individuals is really <clears throat> unconscionable. As I said the other day, if they were really serious about this, using the tax code to attack blue states and reward red states, tell me, why is the reduction in the corporate income tax 35 to 20% across the board? Why aren't they punishing the companies that are in blue states? Why don't they say, we will reduce corporate income taxes 35 to 20% where there are most companies in red states, and we'll figure out how to define that. And we won't reduce it at all. In fact, we'll increase it for companies that are in blue states. Well, is that even constitutional? Answer, no. So how is it? How is it that they get away with their propaganda saying, oh, we're going to, you know, taxes of people blue states, you're going to have to pressure the blue states. That is a, a an outrageous distraction for a massive tax increase. Everybody should get a tax reduction, particularly those who pay the most. Everybody should get a tax deduction across the board, all rates, but they're not doing that. So maybe we have 3.3% GDP growth. Let me tell you something. If these tax cuts were done the right way, we'd have 7-8% growth. 7-8% growth the way we did under Reagan. I'll be right back. Mark Lovin. Show where we create the talking points. Call in now, 877-381-3811. If you haven't finished shopping for that perfect gift for your friends and family, we've got the perfect gift idea for you over at CRTV.com. Through Christmas, we've created some limited edition holiday mugs featuring your favorite show hosts on CRTV, like me and Levin TV. It's your chance to get my mug on your mug. We wanted to say a special thank you to those who are signing up to support what we're doing over at CRTV, and we couldn't do it without you. There's never been a better time to get CRTV, and if you've already joined, you can gift a CRTV subscription to your friends and family. Everybody could use a little bit more of the truth, don't you think? And conservative principles, a little less from the liberal media, that's for sure. This is the perfect time. Give us a call today. It's Friday evening. Lock her in, baby. 844-LEVIN-TV, 844-LEVIN-TV. Mention promo code HOLIDAY. That's promo code HOLIDAY. So you can get your free Levin TV mug. Or choose from any of the other great hosts that we have at CRTV. Again, that's 844-LEVIN-TV, 844-LEVIN-TV, or visit levintv.com. You know, you can watch Levin TV and the other programs on your iPhone, on your Android, on your laptop, on your iPad, on your smart TV. I can, I mean, on your PC, just on and on and on. It's almost, you know, I remember as a kid these comic books and comic series about Dick Tracy watching TV on his watch. Well, we're pretty much there, aren't we? And you can watch me there, too. Anyway, I know you'll enjoy it. By the way, already doing a lot of thinking about my new Fox show, what I believe is tentatively scheduled to start the last Sunday in February. Oh, yeah. 10 p.m. Eastern Time, Sunday, on Fox. Been doing a lot of thinking about that. And by the way, as you're thinking about gifts, 
I find that books are the best gifts, or certainly among the best gifts. They're very well priced. And there's a lot of information in them. And for kids, a lot of joy in them. I hope you'll check out my Father Jack's books. All you have to do is go to Amazon.com, type in Jack Levin, L-E-V-I-N, and the various books will will pop up. And they are great books on Gettysburg Address, Lincoln's Gettysburg Address, Lincoln's Second Inaugural Address, Washington's Crossing, um, his book on Spot, which is the original Spot book for little kids, you know, little, little kids, and, of course, his Proverbs book, which I, I find to be outstanding. So it covers his books, really, very, very young children to young teenagers. Young teenagers. And if you have a mind, Rediscovering Americanism. It's up there on Amazon.com. It keeps plugging along. Soon it'll be paperback. So if you want to get a, a hardback copy for Christmas or Hanukkah, now's the time to do it. And uh, it really is, I think, a book that will that will reveal so much to you. That will reveal so much to you. When I'm... When I write these books, I think about the reader. I think about you. So I, I really think for the holidays, uh, these books are great, great gifts. So is a CRTV subscription. I love people who say, well, you're always hawking things. This is, look, Levin TV. I spend five hours a day on Levin TV. I spend every weekend and every night writing my books when, my, when I am writing books. This is what I do. This is what I'm about. I'm trying to, I'm in the communication business. I'm not into slapstick. I'm not a lounge act. I'm not Henny Youngman on radio cracking jokes every three seconds. This is what I do. They're cerebral. They're substantive. I think they're important. We're trying to save the country. We're trying to build the republic back up. And I'm trying to find every media platform I can. And in the case of Fox, they have asked me to do a show, and I couldn't be happier to do it. So all's good. People ask me, how do we turn around the country? Information to begin with. Ideas to begin with. I told you there was a great philosopher. His name was Berlin. Isaiah Berlin. And I mentioned him prominently in my latest book, Rediscovering Americanism. And Isaiah Berlin writes about negative liberty, positive liberty, and so forth and so on. But one of the things he says has stuck with me. And I've repeated it a few times to you. And he said this, if you leave the battle of ideas to academia and intellectuals, you will lose your liberty. If you leave the battle of ideas to intellectuals and academics, you will lose your liberty. We must engage in the battle of ideas because in the end that will determine what kind of a country you live in. Progressivism is an ideology, it's an idea. Conservatism is a philosophy that takes into consideration the human experience. It's an idea, it's a reality too. That's the big battle, among others. That's the battle. Then the left knows this. This is why they have monopolized uh, teaching in our public schools for the most part, and in our colleges and universities, and that we've got to do something about this. And I've been thinking about it and thinking about it myself. What can we do? What should we do? You may recall Landmark Legal Foundation, where I was president, but I'm not anymore the wonderful Pete Hutchison is president. I'm the chairman. We were at the forefront of the school choice movement. 
But we need to do more. If we don't win the battle of ideas, we don't win. This is why I get so frustrated with Republicans in Congress when they use the language of the left in class warfare when it comes to tax cuts. I don't worry, we got the rich and then we'll give this. No, 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 no. We're about liberty. We're about prosperity. We're about creating opportunity, creating jobs. We're about private property rights. We're about all these things. Not about classes of people where we allow the government to create these fictions these economic classes, and they stick us in them, and we're supposed to, yes, I'm in the middle class. Well, why are we celebrating that? You want to be as successful as possible. You don't need a label by the government or politicians or hacks. You don't want to be labeled like that. I mean, I'm in the lower middle class. No, 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 no. You're an American. We can keep this country free. We can keep our capitalist system. You can make what you want to make or try to make what you want to make and certainly make of yourself what you want to make. You'll fail many times, but you'll succeed many times. They they create this nomenclature so you even have mental barriers to success. And the lower middle class, get that guy, the rich one, get him, get him. All that is destructive and anti-success and anti-individual. An anti-individual. So this guy, Isaiah Berlin, he's in Rediscovering Americanism, but you can Google his name too. Just outstanding. Outstanding. And then there was a gentleman who, who followed him. He's still alive. He's originally from Ireland. He's a professor. Too. Really good. His name's Pettit. These are names you've never heard of before. This is the sort of thing I talk about on Levin TV and I want to do on uh, the Fox show. Pettit. He took Berlin a little step further. I got into this one night. I felt it was fascinating. Everybody else is probably... More sexual harassment. Come on, come on. Who's next? Who's up? Who's next? All right, let's take a call. Victor, in Katy or Caddy, Texas, Sirius Satellite. How are you, Victor? I'm doing well, Mark. It's an honor to speak with you, sir. You too. Thank you. How do you pronounce your town? Katy. I'm sorry, Katie. Got it. Yeah, no problem. Yeah, no, Mark. I've been listening to uh, your comments, and I am very happy that the president has declared Jerusalem as the capital of Israel. I mean, this is something that it's a no-brainer. You know, I'm a Christian, and anyone, I'm by no means a biblical scholar, but anyone who reads the Old and New Testaments, it, it's it's a no-brainer. You know, Jerusalem has always been the focal point of of all you know, all he, all the Jewish people, everything, the temple was there, everything was always done there. Correct. So I'm all wholeheartedly supporting him. And I, you know, By the way, the Koran, how many times does the Koran mention Jerusalem? I don't know for a fact, but uh, many, many a times, I'm certain. Not once. I, oh, really? I mean, Not I, once. You know, the second temple, I'm not even talking about the first temple, the second temple destroyed by the Romans. Um, Muhammad wasn't even born till almost 500 years after the Second Temple. You were there? there. No question, no question. But but you know, when you look at read the New Testament, it speaks about Jesus, and he always goes to Jerusalem. And you know, it's very clear to me. Jesus was in Jerusalem. As a matter of fact, his body was brought to Jerusalem, right? Exactly. Exactly. The Church of the Holy Sepulchre. Right. 
which is defended by the Israeli government against, at one point, the Palestinians took the church and kidnapped people within the church. Yeah. Yeah, no, no, I'm just, you know... How about Bethlehem? What's Bethlehem to the uh, Christian religion? Yeah, I'm in total agreement, you know, with... No, no, but for the whole country, what is Bethlehem to the Christian religion? It's important, is it not? Clearly, yes, of course, it's the birth of our Savior. Yes, and guess what? Uh, uh, Almost a majority of the population there is now Palestinian, and the Palestinians control the city. Yeah, yeah, I know. Ever hear the city Hebron? Hebron? That's the second most important city in Israel. Hebron. Hebron. Does that sound like Hebrew to you, Hebron? No, it does not. Well, it is. Hebron, H-E-B-R. Hebrew, H-E-B-R-E-W. Second most important city. The, the Palestinians claim to control that city, too. Anyway, sir, I have to go. I really do appreciate your call. Thank you. All right. Let's, it's Friday already. Why does it feel like Thursday? You know, friends, it's hard to believe that 2017 is almost over. I mean, really, a couple of weeks. Time doesn't stand still, so don't waste another minute. Join AMAC right now. AMAC is the Association of Mature American Citizens. It's the leading conservative voice for Americans age 50 and up, and they are resolved to continue their mission to restore America's moral compass, to make America a better place for our children, and to save America from the left. As an AMAC member, you'll also gain access to a wide variety of exclusive benefits and discounts that will help you save a lot of money, from car insurance and Medicare plans to discounts on hotels and cars and rentals and more. AMAC is the organization to join. A voice for conservatives in Washington. Exceptional benefits. What's not to love about all that? Join AMAC right now. It's simple. www.amac.us That's www.amac.us Or give them a call. Their toll-free number. 888-262-2006 That's 888-262-2006 2006. The Association of Mature American Citizens. The benefits are great, but the cause is even greater. Now's the perfect time to join. Join AMAC right now. I'll be right back. Let's slip a call in here. Josh, Richmond Hill, Georgia, the great WTKS. Go. First off, it's a pleasure, and congrats on the new Fox show. Thank uh, you. So my, I'm a tail end of a millennials, conservative Republican, and I'm Jewish as well. But the whole thing of this embassy thing does not upset me as that. It's just this was signed. Um, the embassy was supposed to be moved back in 1995, and it's to my mm-hmm. understanding all the past presidents have just been signing waivers. So if anything, we should be congratulating President Trump for finally getting something done that past presidents have just passed on. Mm-hmm. And that, yet that's, that's they bash right. him. They bash him, and, uh, you know, the vote, my understanding is in the Senate on that 1995 statute was 90 to 0. It, but in any event, it had massive bipartisan support. You know, and, and you know, we, sh- we shouldn't have to debate about recognizing that as a, even a piece of Israel. That is the dis- 
decision for the Israelis, and we've always known that. Slammed yeah, but on. that's now the that's now the position apparently of the State Department is it's not part of Israel because they won't they won't state that it is. I mean, this is incredible. Is it? I mean, in, the, the, the the Department of State under Rex Tillerson is defying the President of the United States. Well, and I guess my question for you, another one would be: is is it? Is the State Department in such disarray because of Hillary Clinton used to run it, or is Tillerson just not doing it? No, I think because Rex Tillerson doesn't put uh, Trump supporters and conservatives in there. That's why. Thank you for your call, my friend. Much appreciated. All right, ladies and gentlemen, Friday.
over and the weekend begins right now. We salute our armed forces, police officers, firefighters, and emergency personnel. Good night, Spritey. Good night, Griffey. Good night, Pepsi. Good night, Smokey. Good night, Zelda. Good night, all my beautiful dogs. Ladies and gentlemen, get Al-Qaeda. Get Hezbollah. Get Hamas. Get all those you-know-whats. Have a wonderful weekend. I'll see you right here on Monday. God bless and be safe.